that we could never know on our own. I wonder if you just look at verse 34 and 35. They come in the middle of our passage. But Jesus makes, well, Matthew makes an amazing claim for Jesus and what he says. Let me just read those again. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. What does Matthew say that Jesus does? As he tells his parables, what's he doing? Well, Matthew says he is telling us things that are hidden since the creation of the world. Things that we could never know on our own. Things that we need Jesus to reveal to us. So parables of Jesus, they're not just nice stories for children. If we will pay attention tonight, if we will listen to what Jesus says, he will reveal things to us that we will never ever know on our own. Things that have been hidden since the creation of the world that Jesus will show us tonight. That's quite an exciting thing, isn't it? What an exciting thing to think that Jesus will reveal things to us that we would never know on our own. But there's a warning here too, because if we refuse to listen to Jesus, then those things will stay hidden. If we come tonight and put our fingers in our ears and say, I will not listen, then actually we will never know these things that have been hidden. So whether you are a Christian tonight or not, the Bible is making a massive claim for this man Jesus. There are things about this world that we cannot know on our own. That's why we must pay attention to Jesus this evening. He is going to reveal hidden things to us, showing us things that we need to know that we can't know on our own. So we must listen to him tonight. Now if you were listening and paying attention as Mike read, you'll notice it's like a sandwich, this, this, chap, this part we've got tonight of Matthew, because there's the parable of the weeds, then there's kind of the meat in the sandwich, the, the two little parables in the middle, and then the mustard seed and the yeast. And then there's the weeds explained. So it goes, weeds, two little parables, weeds explained. Why does Matthew split them up? Why does Matthew put those two little ones in the middle? Why is that there? Well, it's because these aren't three random parables. They're connected. They're teaching us similar truths. They go together to reveal important things to us. These hidden things that we could never know on our own. And it's not very hard to see that they're connected. Because they all start, the kingdom of heaven is like. You see that in verse 24? The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seeds. Verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. So what is Jesus going to reveal? What is this hidden thing that Jesus is going to show us tonight? It's his kingdom. He's going to reveal to us what his kingdom is like. Well, okay, we need to take a step back there. Before we can then look at what we are taught in these parables, we just need to ask, what is this kingdom? What does Jesus mean when he talks about his kingdom? Well, keep a finger in Matthew 13 and just flip back to Matthew 4. On page 968. And here's where 
Matthew begins to tell us what this kingdom is like, gives us a picture of what this kingdom is like. Matthew 4 verse 16 Matthew 4.16 says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So here's the picture, okay? The world is in darkness. The world is under the shadow of death. That's the picture in Matthew 4. But what is the kingdom then? Here's the dark world. What is the kingdom... It's the light, dawning. It's like the sun coming up. Now that's a great picture, isn't it? Of what this kingdom is like. But we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world that is under the shadow of death. Human rebellion against God um, means that death is a reality in our world. We live in a dark world. Darkness. But then here comes Jesus and he's the light. And he's the one who brings the kingdom of light. God's wonderful light. He comes and he lives and he reveals things. And then the Bible tells us he dies. He takes the darkness of this dark world on himself. What happens at the cross? The sky goes dark as he takes the darkness of human sin and rebellion on himself. And it's through him and his death on the cross that now the wonderful kingdom of light is established. That's the kingdom, the light, God's wonderful light. So we need to keep that in our minds. That's what's going on. That's what we're talking about, the kingdom. But what do these parables then teach us about this kingdom? Now what we're going to do is we're going to start with the two parables in the middle and then we're going to work outwards. So we'll start with the yeast and the mustard seeds and then we'll look at the parable of the weeds. So we're going to start with uh, from verse 31 onwards. And here's the first thing I want us to see. Three things tonight. Here's the first thing. It may look small, but the kingdom will grow. That's what Jesus is teaching from these two little parables. It may look small, but the kingdom will grow. Now, the Jews in Jesus' day had very high hopes for this kingdom. They knew about this kingdom. They knew that God had promised the kingdom was coming. And they, had, they were so excited about it. They had very high hopes. It was going to be big. It was going to be impressive. They had promises like Daniel chapter 7. And and listen to this. Sorry, Daniel chapter 2. Listen to this. Just try and pick out the kingdom thing. Imagine you're a Jew reading this, thinking, okay, what's this kingdom going to be like? In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. What's this kingdom like? It's big. It's going to endure forever. It's going to crush every other kingdom. That's what they're expecting, this kingdom crushing, uh, other kingdom crushing kingdom, the wonderful, powerful, awesome kingdom of God. That's what they're expecting, particularly this kingdom that's going to crush the, the Romans. And then here comes Jesus and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Do you feel the shock of that? If you really understand what was promised, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard. You can imagine the people going, what? What on earth are you talking about? A mustard seed? 
What on earth are you talking about? You're having a laugh. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a mighty, powerful lion, yes. Yeah, but that's what we expect. The kingdom of heaven is like a vast army that crushes everyone else in its path. A mustard seed. What? It's pathetically small. Surely that can't be. Jesus, you, surely you can't be right. But a mustard seed it is. And in case we've missed the point and we think Jesus has got his botany wrong, verse 32, he spells it out. He says the mustard seed is the smallest of all your seeds. Now he's not made a mistake here. This is what the kingdom will be like. He deliberately chooses something because it is so small. He picks on the smallest, the weakest thing he can think of. Yeah, that's what the kingdom of God's going to be like. Do you feel the shock? Do you see the surprise? But here's the thing about a mustard seed. It may be small, but it grows, doesn't it? And it grows, and it grows, and it grows. In fact, verse 32, Jesus says that it grows, it becomes the largest of garden plants, becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Not quite so pathetic now, hey? This huge tree. But it started small. It may look small, but the kingdom will grow. That's the point. Here's the kingdom now, the, must, the, the tree that dominates the garden, but it started small. Or take the yeast. Let's look at verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Loads of power, a little bit of yeast. Again, it's not a picture of great power, is it? You know, if you're thinking of something you want a powerful picture, you don't go for yeast, do you? You know, you don't say to your friends, if you're trying to impress them, you know, don't mess with me, I'm hard as yeast. It doesn't work. That's not, it's not a picture of power. I remember when I was a little boy, my mum would go to the baker's and she'd buy a bag of fresh yeast. We don't really use fresh yeast anymore, but it was great. You brought it kind of warm and it was lovely, it smelled nice and it sat on the side. But I wasn't terrified of it. It wasn't like I said, Mum, I'm not going in there, there's yeast in there. I wasn't scared of the yeast. But again, yeast grows, doesn't it? It may not seem an impressive thing, but it grows and grows and grows. And actually its impact transforms the whole of the dough. When I, when I was young, there was a, a thing around called friendship cake. Does anyone know about friendship cake? It's a weird thing. This friendship cake, someone gave my mum some friendship cake. It was the, you got the mixture. And what you did was you, you kind of put in some extra sugar and things like that. At the end of the week, you'd make a cake with half of it, and then the other half just kept growing. And then what you're supposed to do is give a bit of the mixture to someone else and they'd make a cake. That's why it's a friendship cake. You kept passing it around. And because it just kept growing and growing. And this, this friendship cake was horrible stuff and it didn't even taste nice. And it just kept growing. Every week this thing would be there still more and more and more because it just kept growing. And you didn't know where it would come from and who'd had it and <laughs> how many thousands of people it had been passed through. But, the, but yeast is a brilliant picture of the kingdom. It just keeps going and going and going. You see, let's face it, the kingdom of heaven started pretty small, didn't it? One man, the son of a carpenter from Galilee. It's small. It's not quite the, the massive, impressive kingdom that the Jews were expecting. But listen, don't be fooled. Because we need Jesus to reveal what's hidden. Because this kingdom grows. 
And it grows and grows and grows. Because those words from Daniel 2 are true. It is a kingdom that will bring all other kingdoms to an end. It is a kingdom that will last forever. But it starts small. And it did grow. You've just got to read the book of Acts and you see how it exploded. How it grew as God made it grow. Just like my mum's friendship cake. The book of Acts is like that. It just keeps going. People try and stop it, but they can't. Because the kingdom keeps growing. Sometimes it spreads slowly. Sometimes it spreads fast. And here we are, 2,000 years later in Edinburgh. It's still growing. Still growing today. That kingdom which started so small, but continues. I wonder, do you ever look at the world and think, God's influence in this world seems pretty small? Do you ever look at the world and think the church seems pretty small? God's people seem a little bit pathetic, to be honest. We don't seem that impressive. Maybe you're a Christian, but sometimes you just feel like you're on the losing side. People seem more excited about football, don't they, than Jesus? Far more excited. Surely it won't be long before there are no Christians left at all, we might think. Do you ever feel like that? I do. But that's why we need to listen to Jesus. Because he reveals things that we can't see on our own. He shows us that if we're part of this kingdom, we don't need to feel hopeless. We can be confident because it may look small, but the kingdom will grow. And it will keep on growing. And no one can stop it. It's going to be an awesome kingdom that lasts forever. We don't need to panic. Why should we be involved in taking the gospel to other nations? Because the kingdom is going to grow. Why is it worth going to China and to, to other places in the world? Why is it worth telling your friends at work? Because the kingdom is going to grow. And we can be part of that. Well, that all sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It all sounds hunky-dory, everything's great, kingdom grows, no worries. Well, actually, that's why we need the parable of the weeds. Because the parable of the weeds then adds a, another edge to this story. And here's our second point. The kingdom will grow, but so will the enemies. You see, that's the point of the parable of the weeds, isn't it? If you're a gardener, uh, you'll know weeds are a pain. I'm not much of a gardener, but even I get, I've got a tiny little garden, but even I get frustrated with weeds. And Jesus tells this story about a field. And, and, and there's two people who sow seed in this field. So first of all, there's the farmer, he's the good guy. And he goes out, he's got his best seed that money can buy. No cheap stuff, he's got the best he can get. And he throws out his seed, and, and it starts to grow. He revs up his tractor, off he goes, job done. But then comes another sower. And he's a little bit more, a little bit more devious really. He comes when everyone's asleep. And he plants weeds in amongst the good seeds. So there they are. All the little seeds are in the ground. The good seed and the bad seed together in the ground. And as time passes, they begin to grow. They grow together. And when the day comes and they sprout, the farmer can see that some of them are weeds and some of them are good seeds. There's, there's weeds in amongst his good seed that must have been planted by the enemy. They're side by side. What does he do? Does he run out and rip them up? No, he waits. He lets them grow together. Now, what, what's all this about? What's this story teaching us? 
But this is one of those great parables that you can't, you can't really get wrong because Jesus tells us what it means, which is, which is always a real advantage on preaching ones like this. Because you say, okay, Jesus tells us what it means, which is good. So we've got no excuse because he spells it out. So look at verse 37. Here we go. This is what it means. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. So you get the picture. The field is the world. The whole world. And what's Jesus doing in his... This is a, this is a wonderful picture. What's Jesus doing in his world? He's sowing seed. He's, he's throwing out seed. And all the seed that Jesus plants grows. And it produces great little plants who are called sons of the kingdom. See, what's Jesus doing in this world? He's producing Christians. That's what he's doing. People who've been rescued from darkness and brought into the kingdom of his light. People who've been rescued from rebellion and become subjects of the king. So if you're a Christian, now this is wonderful, if you're a Christian here tonight, you are only a Christian because Jesus planted you. You are a little seed that Jesus planted and that is why you are a son of the kingdom, a child of God. That is why you are a Christian. There's no point being proud about being Christians. You are a seed that Jesus planted. So the kingdom's growing, we've seen that, and it's growing because Jesus is planting seeds and he's making them grow. He's producing Christians. But then so are the enemies growing, aren't they? Because look at verse 38 as Jesus explains... The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. See, Jesus is not the only one sowing seed in this world. The devil is at it too. He too is sowing. He too is producing a crop. Interesting then, and I love this, interesting. Who owns the field? The farmer. Does the devil have a... No, he doesn't. He doesn't have a field of his own. He's an imposter. And he comes into the field that belongs to Jesus. And in this field that belongs to Jesus, he is at work. He tries to sneak in and mess things up. And he chucks out his seeds. And all the seed that he throws out grows into sons of the evil one. See, the devil is hard at work in this world. His work results in those who reject Jesus. Those who are his enemies. Now, the danger at this point is that we dismiss this as ridiculous. Well, I can imagine, I can imagine my non-Christian friends saying, oh, this is ridiculous. No one's ever seen the devil. What are you talking about? There's no such thing as a devil. But that's precisely the point. Jesus is revealing something that is hidden. He's showing us things we wouldn't know on our own. But Jesus is clear, there is a devil. There is at work sowing a harvest for himself. That's the reality of what's happening in our world. The kingdom grows, but so do the enemies. Now, if we think about that for for a moment, the conclusions are explosive. Jesus is teaching there's a separation between people. Every single person in this world is separated into one of two groups, good seeds and the weeds. The sons of the kingdom or the sons of the devil. It's, it's explosive stuff, isn't it? This is what Jesus is teaching. People like to think that there's middle ground, but there isn't. There isn't kind of a third type of seed in this field, is there? 
oh look, there's some nice poppies that you give a bit of colour. They're, they're not doing any harm. But they're just nice little poppies that are, are in the field. No, everything in this field, in Jesus' story, is either good seed or is weeds. There is no middle ground. It is a clear division, one or the other. That's the reality of this world. Listen, should we be surprised that not everyone in this world is a, is a Christian? Of course not. Because the devil is at work producing his own crop. Should we be surprised if Christians have a tough time in this world? Should we be surprised that in North Korea Christians are persecuted? No, we shouldn't be surprised. Because this world, there are good seed and there is weeds. The kingdom will grow, but so will the enemies. There are enemies in this world. Let's not kid ourselves. It's the reality of the world we live in. Jesus is showing us what is true. So it may look small, but the kingdom will grow. The kingdom will grow, but so will the enemies. But there's one more thing Jesus needs to reveal to us that we'd never know on our own. Here it is. The enemies will grow, but only until harvest. There's no getting away from the fact this parable has a real emphasis on the future. Look at verse 30 with me. Uh, hang on, this. Yeah, yeah, verse 30, yep. The farmer says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now click over to verse 39 where we get it explained. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Do you see what Jesus is teaching? Jesus, here's this world where the, where the enemies, where the weeds and the good seed grow together, but there's a day coming in the future which he calls the harvest day. And the whole idea of harvest is an idea of separation, where the good is kept and the bad is thrown away. When I was a child, I used to help my dad with weeding. The only problem was I'd make, I'd make him, I'd pull up all his best plants. I mean, it would be his best bed, and he'd come back and say, Dad, I've weeded your bed. He said, you haven't weeded it, you've taken everything out. There's nothing left. Because I didn't know the difference between a weed and a plant, and it used to make a mess. But on this final harvest day, there'll be no mistakes. Verse 41, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. All the weeds will be removed. Everything that is, that is wrong with this world. And all those who have rejected Jesus, all those who have, been, who have not listened to him, will be removed. And now look at verse 42. Very sobering words. But remember, these words come from the mouth of Jesus. Verse 42. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's sobering stuff. It is supposed to scare us. We must not just let this come gloss over us and say, oh dear, that sounds bad. It is terrifying what Jesus speaks of. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is the gnashing of teeth? I think it's the gnashing of teeth of, of frustration and anger and hatred and bitterness. It's the ah! of being away from God. 
It is a terrifying picture. And we mustn't take this lightly. I don't preach this lightly. Because I've got friends who, who at the moment are rejecting Jesus. And I, as I read this, it makes me say, Jesus says this is, this is what will happen. This is the fate. And I don't preach this with, with a joy. I don't preach this with a happiness in my heart. I preach this because this is what Jesus says is true. And if Jesus says this is true, then we must take it seriously. It's, it's hard, but it's real. And we must believe it. We must allow it to, to, to fill our thinking. See, maybe sometimes we look at those who oppose God and we think, how can they just get away with it? Why do they prosper? Why, why do the wicked seem to get away with things? Maybe people at work who lie and cheat. Well, it's because the enemies will grow, but only until harvest. There is a harvest coming. And we can't shy away from that. We must not shy away from that. But if it's a terrible day for those who are enemies of the kingdom, well, just look how awesome it will be for those who are the good seed. And this, this really should put a smile on. And I do say this with joy. <laughs> that I really do preach this with joy. Look at verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. How, how good does that sound? We'll read it again. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The kingdom of heaven, this wonderful light, and God's people will shine. Do you know who else in the Bible? Okay, you can all uh, have a little think for me for a second. Who else in the Bible are we told shines like the sun? Why don't you tell your neighbour if you, if you know? Who else in the Bible shine, uh, is described as shining like the sun? Anyone? T- tell, tell your neighbour quickly. Well, that'll do. It doesn't take that long to say Jesus. Okay. And because Revelation chapter 1 says that Jesus shines like the sun in its noonday strength. But now we've been told that if we're Christians, we will shine. We are going to share the glory of Jesus, the risen, awesome Jesus. We're going to shine like him. Isn't that an amazing thought? It's some promise. In this world, yes, the light has dawned, but it doesn't shine fully yet. There is still much darkness. The world we live in now is the field where there is good seed and bad seeds. But on the harvest day, everything that spoils, all the darkness, every part of darkness, will be taken. Everything will be removed. And all that will be left will, the son, will be the sons of the kingdom enjoying the wonderful light of God. Doesn't that sound good? All darkness, all sin, gone. The darkness of death, gone. And we will shine. I can't wait to shine. Can you? I can't wait to be there shining like Jesus. It's so exciting. The harvest is coming. It will be a terrible day for some, but an incredible day for those who've listened to Jesus. Well, the last seven words that were read to us from Matthew 13 should really challenge us. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus reveals what's hidden. He's showing us things that we could never know on our own. But the tragedy is so many people just don't 
listen. So many people in our world will not listen to Jesus. They don't want to know. They don't want to know about the kingdom. They don't want to know about it growing, about the enemies growing. They don't want to know about the harvest that's coming. How many people live in our world say, I will never be judged. There's no harvest coming. Listen, Jesus challenges you today. Here is the challenge that Jesus has. Will you listen to him? Will you unblock your ears and listen to what he says? He came to bring God's wonderful light. And if you're not part of his kingdom, if you've never turned to him and asked him for forgiveness and turned to him and said, Lord Jesus, I want to be part of your kingdom, you are in great danger. There is a harvest coming. It will be a terrible day. It's a warning that's designed for you to take action. If I see that you're about to be hit by a bus on the street and I shout out to you, watch out, you're going to be hit by a bus. The point is that you take action. It's not that you stand there and go, oh, that's nice, I'm going to be hit by a bus. That would be a ridiculous way to, to take a warning. The point of a warning is that you do something. Jesus says, you're in massive danger, not of a bus, but of the harvest that's coming. Will you take action? Will you run to Jesus for safety? We must not block our ears. And if tonight you say, oh, I don't think I am part of this kingdom, please don't leave tonight without without sorting it out. You could do it where you're sitting now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know I don't deserve it, but I want to be part of your kingdom. And he will, he will accept you. You want to talk to someone, talk to me on the way out, or talk to someone who you came with, or, or, or someone who, who you know is a Christian. Don't leave without sorting this out. There's nothing more important. And if we are part of this kingdom, well, then these parables should be a massive encouragement to us. If you think things look small, don't panic. The kingdom will grow. We don't need to stress. God's in charge. The kingdom will grow. It's way bigger now than it was when Jesus started. And it's going to keep growing. But we also need to be realistic. Don't be surprised that there are enemies in this world. And we must be patient. Look forward. Look forward to that harvest day when you will shine like Jesus in the kingdom. I wonder, are we patiently waiting for that day? I hope so. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together.